You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. You look like you feel like shit. I sure do. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's not COVID. Nor is it strep. Lit. Pew, pew, pew. Um, uh, it's just a wolf pack. At some point, you will realize that you have not been sick for a year and a half. And then you will get a cold and it will feel like you're dying. Ladies, if you're a man, if like, ladies, if you're a man, ladies, if you get a cold, you will have a man cold. Yeah. Where they're like, ah, I'm dying. Yeah. No, you're not. Men get the sniffles and they're like, my life is over. <laughs> Which is kind of how it feels right now. I'm not going to lie. Dude, I mean, when I got the second vaccine and it fully knocked, my, knocked me on my ass, I was like, whoa, I haven't felt sick in a really long time. I'm never taking my mask off. This is great. Uh, yeah. Never, ever, ever. No. Well, not on public transit. Like, no. there are rules. <laughs> like, I don't need it on when I'm taking a walk. I probably will wear it in Target. I was just about to say, Target, maybe grocery stores. Yeah. People are being a little flip about it at our Trader Joe's. Yeah. And I'm like, can we all continue to participate? Well, now that, like, I have a cold, if I had to go grocery shopping, me wearing a mask would protect everyone from getting a cold. Yeah. So you're welcome. Yes. People of Trader Joe's. What did the pandemic teach us? empathy not at all no the people who already had empathy upped it yeah and the people who didn't are not wearing are capable feeling it Joe's. yeah yeah um <laughs> well i'm sorry you feel poopy but if you feel like you didn't do a good job this episode you have like a <laughs> baller excuse whereas if i do a shitty job this episode it's like oh she really was off her game today you know um yeah i apologize in advance but i hope hope to persevere. I advance the acceptance of your apology Thanks. and also tell you that it's fine. Um, you know, let's let's take your mind off being sick and feeling miserable. Let's talk about something that will also make you feel sick and miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Teen Wolf Season 5. Oh, and you're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast where we eventually get to the point and talk about MTV's Teen Wolf. My name is Christian. And I'm Julia. And we are ready to rock and roll. Yeah. This episode was fine. It was way too much. It felt like we were just, it was a hurry up and wait type of thing. Yeah. There was, it was 50 pounds of shit in a five pound bag per use. But not in a way where it was like advancing anything. It just felt like we were constantly on like the precipice of plot. You know, I actually had this, this thought while we were watching every episode of season five is set up like a penultimate episode with no immediate finale. Yeah. So you get, um, it's just stringing you along. Season five is a bad boyfriend. Like grungy aesthetics and you're like, oh, he's so dark and mysterious, but he treats you like garbage. But he'll change. And then you no, stick around for 20 episodes because he's dark and mysterious and then you realize he never changes and then you move on to 6A. Which uh, lifts your spirits. Yeah. I hope. Crazy <laughs> that I have such fond feelings about 6A and uh, Dylan O'Brien is like not in it. I was so shocked when I watched that because I did not know and I was upset. As I imagine most people were. I think most people knew. Most well, people knew that like the Maze Runner was happening. Right. But I, I was irked. Yeah. Meh. I'm, I'm, Meh. No, no, I actually never, like, when I think about, like, actors leaving shows, I'm like, look at you, greener pastures. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's like a good for you situation. And yeah. I, I think you feel um, Derek's absence a lot. I'm really feeling it in this episode. Um... I'm feeling Peter's absence. It's bumskis, you know? Yeah. I feel like our ratio of adults, like, it's imbalanced now. 
where is Chris? Where is he? Like right now, Parrish is sort of filling the role that Chris usually would as just like the gunslinging hot guy. But like, well, it is Chris also- has a lot more guns <laughs> and isn't trying to date teenagers. So it is also absolutely wild that the last scene, correct me if I'm wrong, but the last scene is him impaled on that piece of rebar and then someone comes to help him and we don't know what happens. Oh yeah. Like he just, <laughs> he comes back. He comes back so clearly he lived, but, um, no, 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 no. He comes back at the at the end. end. Oh, to save everybody. In La- oh, because he's yeah, yeah. But then, like, did he live? Well, it is actually crazy <laughs> that you have already like retro repressed the memory of season four. You know what it is? The Dread Doctors. They're fucking with my memory, They're- and that's why I have no idea what happens in this season. I literally said before we turned on the mics that I don't want to be dumb this episode, <laughs> and, as opposed uh, to yeah, compared to what? Yeah, yeah. Some, it's fine. Somebody was uh, DM'd us today, uh, and they were like, you know, I, it, it's it's fun that you guys keep me company, but I just scream when you're wrong. And it's like, yeah, so tweeted us about us about it whenever we're wrong. We are wrong The often. Teen Wolf Free Wolf echo chamber is getting a little toxic. We need somebody to sort of shake the rug a little bit, air out some of our bad opinions, filter in some new ones, you know? This is, this is a participation project for everybody. <laughs> yeah, we want to hear that. Literally always. Yeah. Unless you're mean. Don't be mean. Yeah, don't be mean. But, um... Like, with, 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 like you can tell us with, like, respect that our, we're wrong, you know? Don't, respectfully, you yeah. are incorrect. Respectfully, sure. you guys are dumb. Which, yeah, okay, respectfully, well, I am. <laughs> and, um... Yeah. But yes, uh, I do want to give a quick shout out to our listeners. Anybody who had uh, donated to the coffee recently, it's, you know, crazy to think that anybody wants to support the podcast in this way. And, um, we are eternally grateful and love you guys dearly. Like I, I we talk, you know, bullshit about this being like a community, but it really is. And, uh, we're eternally grateful. So if you feel like you want to throw us a couple bucks, um, ko-fi.com forward slash teen wolf rewolf. Just bringing it up because we've ha- got some da- donations recently, and I'm 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 thankful. Again, we're never asking; it's just to support the you know price of the pod. Um, without further ado, should we just do the recap? I feel like we got to get into this episode. It is season five, episode seven, and it is called "Strange Frequencies." Yeah, it was written by Angela Harvey and directed by Russell Mulcahy. So, people we know and love. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's a long pause. I didn't. Well, I just didn't notice any of the things that I usually notice about their work. Yeah, that's true. It didn't feel like this was a particularly Russell and Angela episode. Yeah, um, I will say that I laughed out loud. I will at say something. I, I think that Angela, <laughs> we're on a first name basis, <laughs> is is pretty good about throwing humor in there. And yeah. I, I, there were a couple moments where I laughed, and it, it occurred to me when we were laughing that like. That was the first time we've been doing that this I season. I have though. not felt that at all in the six episodes previous. Okay, so I think we just got to do the recap. And uh, I'm sorry that you're sick, but you do have to go first. Um, cool. I will try and do it <laughs> well, all in one breath so that I don't have to cough. inhale. Um, well, here's the thing. You will try because you have no choice. On your mark, get mm-hmm. set, go. Okay, so uh, Styles and Theo are still on the hospital roof, and he tells them how he knows about Donovan. They take away the body. Liam ends up telling Hayden about everything and goes her eye, his eyes at him, and she punches him. Um, the Dread Doctors like stop her car, and then Liam ends up saving her. They all go to the animal clinic, um, and 
Theo lies and they say that the Dread Doctors killed that other Chimera. Um, Liam brings Hayden to Scott's home and uh, she transforms and she's like, oh, I believe you now. Kira and Mr. Yukimura at school and then Noshiko attacks her and uh, Kira almost kills her, which is really not great. Um, Mason and Corey are in the library and uh, Mason starts to suspect that Corey is also a Chimera. Um, everybody starts plotting to protect Hayden with the tiller currents at the school and Kira decides that she doesn't want to do it because of what happened to Ike and she thinks that uh, she's going to cause problems. There's a fun little Skira flashback. Scott uh, tells that he wants to capture a Dread Doctor to find out what they're doing. Um, the surgeon uh, tells Theo that he knows who's taking the bodies, but he won't, like, he doesn't care. Um, Styles and Theo, like, stake it out to see who uh, is going to come take it. Noshiko is like, well, we have to restore balance. Um, so Kira's down for the count. Um, Melissa and Sheriff are getting to talk about the Ooh, medical records. Girly oh. Pop, you are done. I am sorry. But I am proud of myself. I think you did pretty good, and you were, like, clipping, no coughing. Uh, maybe this is... Um, helping i love the inevitability of like <laughs> next episode that we do on tuesday it's gonna be me just like down for the count when it's cold <laughs> i hope not i will sequester but we were sitting on the same couch earlier we so live in the same say? apartment like it does like we're touching the same doorknobs <laughs> you know true 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 well christian you are gonna have an attempt to do better than i did at recapping the episode. Okay, whatever you say. <laughs> sure. Well, I'm just going to give you a minute on the clock starting right now. So Theo confronts Styles about Donovan, and they decide that they need to take the body from the roof uh, to find out who's taking the bodies. Liam tries to explain to Hayden the truth, and she punches him. He wolfs out, and uh, Hayden is in her car, and it breaks down. The Dread Doctor's finder. Liam saves her and takes her to, uh, and tells Scott, Scott and Styles where they are. Theo and Styles bring the body to uh, the clinic, and Scott and Styles go to find Hayden, and she's already transformed. She's really freaked out. Kira and her dad are in the school, and she spars with her mom because her mom's trying to figure out what's wrong with the kitsune. Mason sees Corey in the library and they figure it out that Corey is a chimera. They decide to hide Hayden in the school because of the Tiller occurrence uh, and they um, the uh, Dread Doctor show up at the uh, clinic and they talk to Theo and he realizes that he's not as hot as he thinks he is. Um, the Theo decides to stay to watch the body and Styles stays with him because uh, he doesn't trust him and so they have this weird conversation about like the ethics of murder in the car. Meanwhile, everybody's at the school and uh, Liam realizes that Scott is using Hayden as bait and he's like really not okay with that. Um Malia is looking out, looking for something, and she starts hallucinating, and the Dread Doctors can just walk in. The Dread Doctors cause everybody to have hallucinations, including Parrish, who then goes to find the body at the animal clinic, and Leah... Uh, yeah, it is time. I feel like I did pretty good. I Yeah, you were killing it. I have not done that well in who knows how long. You just so much further than I did. Well, I'm just thinking here, and I before we started recording, I was like, oh, I should read through my notes before I try to do this, and it turns out that... <laughs> working literally like 30 seconds harder than usual uh changes the course of the podcast it's so nice when you have like instant gratification what do we miss uh well let's see um you talked about um liam getting upset that hayden's gonna be bait scott goes to find her pills and then has a hallucination of kira killing him which feels very real at the time Mason comes to find Scott and saves him and he kind of wakes up and they realize that once everybody wakes up their hallucinations that the Dread Doctors have taken Hayden and Liam and they are at their like secret sewer lair. Uh, the sheriff and Melissa have figured out that the connecting factor between all the chimeras is that they are genetic chimeras via transplants. Um, Melissa comes home to see a dead body on her counter with Kira's sword through her because Kira has left her house after some weird acupuncture yeah. And gone on a kitsune rampage. Parish, um, Parish oh yeah. also um, punches Theo's lights out. Hell yeah. And then flips the Jeep, which um, bursts into flames. Not a care in the world. And then Theo 
saves. Styles. He does. I remember from the promo of season five, which I was pretty tapped out around then. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I didn't care, just because I was busy. Um, yeah. And uh, I remember that image of Styles with his head out the window of the Jeep. Everybody was like, oh my oh, God. No. People seemed way more worried about the Jeep <laughs> than they did about Styles. Um, so that's really funny. Um, and also, you know, triggered a dread doctor memory in me. Yeah. I had another moment where I was like, where they were in school and I was like, oh, Kira's mom attacks her. And you were like, what? And I was like, then it happened. And I was like, okay, so season five is slowly returning. I'm, I'm reading Dr. Valak's book as we go. Thank God someone is. I said this to you the other day. How good would an episode be that was like none of the main cast, like no flashes to the main cast, literally a one-off episode just of what happens in that book? Yeah. Oh, it would be so good. Even I would take a two-parter. Yeah. I would take a to-be-continued. Yeah. Um, it would be so good. Like, it'd be like kind of campy, pulpy 80s horror, but like... So it would like have like a familiar setting, like uh, like Beacon Hills. I think it, the book is actually set in Massachusetts or somewhere. But it would be like, I don't know. I just think that they're they oh, there was just so much potential to do that, and they didn't. And instead, they did that like flashback to France. <laughs> yeah, that is one thing that I have not blocked out of my memory. Because I, have vivid I can't memories of that decide episode. how I feel about it. It feels like they wasted a lot of budge on that episode, but didn't waste anything on Crystal Reed. I was so happy to see her return. Oh, honestly, same. Um. Here's the thing, because season five is 20 episodes of the same plot, yeah, it shifts a little bit because part A, I guess, is Chimeras, and then part B is the Beast, but it's still, the, it's the same villain, so yeah, it feels I, the I, same. I don't know how, how strong the delineation is. We will find out. We'll find <laughs> out. Um, but because there's like 20 episodes, I really think you could have had your cake and eaten it too. Like, had an, a flashback episode to the book. Yeah. You could have done the France thing if you really wanted to. Yeah. Um, well, I then, think... Then we sort of get one out-of-body episode in A and B. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I would have really enjoyed that. And I think... It's funny to think about the French episode because I think they were so enamored of what they did with the um, internment camp episode that they were like, oh, we should do it again. Um, I will say that the French one is a little bit more successful just because it's not trying to like fancy itself as being good commentary on like America's history. It's sort of just like a weird, like beauty and the beast esque fantasy. 100%. Yeah. Um, we have more thoughts on commentary later, but first we need to get into the actual meat of this episode. We're going to be talking about this episode through the theme of frustration, a feeling very common on the Teen Wolf Wolf these days. Um, and very common in this particular episode. Julia, is there a place you'd like to start? I um, kind of want to talk about Liam and Hayden. Go for it. A little bit. Um, it's <laughs> really, it's been a little kind of fun to see their relationship um, blossom. And of course, like he ends up saving her from the Dread Doctors and things kind of seem to be going well. Like she's just been... I don't want to say accepted into the pack because that's generous, but like they're doing everything that they can to protect her. And then when Liam finds out that Scott has decided without telling him that he wants to use Hayden as bait, um, it kills him. Absolutely. So incredibly rich that Scott is willing to use somebody as bait is willing to put somebody's life on the line as if that, that couldn't possibly be the end of their life and can't, find it in himself to sort of reevaluate how we think about, you know, the expendability of, of life. And like, 
I think ultimately flashing forward the conversation between Theo and in Styles is like you agree with Styles like we shouldn't murder anybody yeah. and you shouldn't do it by choice or whatever. Um but I just was like, yeah, I would fucking clock Scott if that if that was his change of tune. That like, well, somebody has to be bait, man, fuck you. Right? It really <laughs> Sorry. It really just seems like such an about face. Yeah. Um from his previous attitude and even like I really think that even when Scott is making um, really tough decisions, there's like this warmth to him and this real desire to make everything um, turn out the way that he wants to. Um, But it's gone in that exchange with Liam. Yeah, it is. It's funny because I think if there was sort of an underlying plot line about like how the dread doctors, obviously they mess with your head. Like Mm -hmm. uh, we see that in the hallucinations, but if there was some sort of indication that that like affected your emotional personal state in the way that we see in six B with the Anukate, I would find these decisions a lot more justifiable. But currently I'm sitting in camp Liam of being like, uh, Hey, aren't you supposed to be like my dad or something? You're doing a really bad job right now to my girlfriend. Yeah. Who's not really his girlfriend yet, but they're flirting. Yeah. It's very cute. It's cute insofar as like you want good things for people, but I'm also just like Hayden is so boring again. To mm-hmm. no fault of that actress, to no fault of um me. I, it's yeah. just like the writers gave us a really boring. <laughs> after like seasons and seasons of me being like, I like that girl, I like that girl, and she's just she blows. <laughs> yeah, and she doesn't even really like. We don't even get much of um a moment to process with her how she feels. Mm-hmm. about learning that she is a chimera. Um, and, you know, Liam is talking to her and saying that, oh, well, you'll learn how to control it. And she rightfully points out that probably she won't because she's not, like, a bitten werewolf. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't imagine, like, how frustrating it must be to learn all of this new information. And then, like, within a day, not even within a day, this, I feel like this all takes place the same night, right? Yeah. Um, within less than like 10 hours, you just have to put, uh, all of your trust into these people you don't really know and you have no reason to trust. Um, and you can't even utilize the part of you that might potentially be able to save you. And I, I, I would feel so trapped in that situation. I mean, I think inherently frustration comes from feeling out of control. I think that that is the instigating factor when you feel that emotion. And I think that that is why it's so common in this episode is that everyone feels very out of control. And the people who are quoth and quoth in control um, are realizing that they don't actually have as much of a, of, of a grip as they think they do. Like Scott mm-hmm. realizing that like... He can't actually keep things from Liam if he wants his plans to go the way he thinks. Or even just... Theo realizing that the dread doctors don't really give a shit about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Hayden and Liam, especially they are at the mercy of pretty much everyone else in this episode. And that is such a frustrating place to be. It would make you scared and uncomfortable. And also like Liam who already deals with anger issues, it would be on edge the entire time and is. Well, and it's so frustrating for us as um, viewers to see kind of the relationship that they've been building up over a season Um you know, not be able to withstand some of the pressure that's put on it. Um, It feels like Liam is so trusting that Scott will be able to figure it out. He has such faith in the plan because he's lived thus far. Um, Having faith in the plan, which we as the audience have also. So so, um, it's like, it must be so um, irksome, frustrating 
to Liam that like this guy who professes that we're brothers now and that he's a true alpha that kept coming up in this episode, um, that he doesn't have it together. I mean, I think the sort of, you know, the idea of like the true alpha is like a fallacy, right? Like, nobody can ever actually be that good. And when you start assigning like qualities to that type of thing, it automatically reduces it. And that's part of the reason why I find it so trite. Yeah. Um, And it's really fun in season three when that's sort of like what an epic moment, but that would be a better place for like Scott's character to end, I think, than begin. And if it was going to begin that way, I think we should have seen a serious shift towards like, um, altruism as opposed to a shift away from it, which is kind of what we're experiencing right now. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And if I were in Liam's position, I would be like, you know, I've put my faith in this. It's like a total, like, you know, challenge of faith, which again, frustrating because that is like, you feel like the thing that you're betting on is in control. And now it's not just like Liam being out of control. It's also like the, his surroundings. And that is, is, (laughs) Frustrating. <laughs> Sorry, I, think of a, I, I tried to think of a better word and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and I also think that there's elements of frustration that get put aside for these two characters. Like, clearly they realize that their differences are totally trivial and their frustrations with each other can be, um, are, are negligible, honestly. And that was kind of one of the more, like, lighter parts of this episode that I enjoyed was actually kind of seeing them just, like, flirt a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't think Liam's ever had a girlfriend. No, it's very sweet. And he's so protective of her. Um, and like the ending scene is just sad because, well, that's not the end. I don't know. The ending scene is Melissa with the body. Right. But um, like their but when final he's in scene, the, yeah. the dread doctor's uh, cavern, laboratory, I, basement. I don't know. It, you know what it looks like? Hmm. Did you ever watch Torchwood? No. I know I, Lost I should Lost reference, but they have like a bunker in Torchwood and it looks like that. It looks like a, a bunker. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And he watches her get tortured, I guess, or get experimented on. No anesthetic. Yeah. So. I mean, I guess like here, human experimentation is torturous. Yes. Yeah. If not uh, by definition, definitely by experience. Um, you know what? I kind of want to talk about Kira. Oh, man. It, her... I, oh God, I wish that her plot could be part of the main plot. It really frustrates me that it's sort of separate. And the only person who really understands or knows what's going on and can talk about it is Scott, because I think it would be so much more compelling if, you know, all of a sudden you had Malia being like, Hey, something's, something's wrong with my friend or whatever. Um, but Kira is experiencing a total lack of control, um, which is, which is leading to her frustration and is also feeling like nobody is doing enough to help her. Which, it makes you feel so lonely, you know? Yeah, I was just thinking that Kira's arc is so compelling that it almost feels like she should be a, uh, the main character. Um, like, it feels like if you took Kira out of main this... Main character scene, energy, Kira yeah. Yukimura. <laughs> Kira Yukimura is the main character. Um, to us? Yeah. In our hearts, yeah. No. Okay, if we had to assign main <laughs> characters of Teen Wolf, like Kira, Malia... Lydia, Lydia, the girls. Yeah, the girls. Gr- you're right. Okay, yeah, <laughs> it's girls. just the girls and then styles like a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, because here's the thing. Like if you picked Kira up and you dropped her into another show, I'd watch it because that's so interesting. The questions that they're raising about like what, it, how do you balance the spirit that's inside of you and 
are you guys connected or not connected? Like, and does rebalancing mean that you become one? Like, so interesting. Yeah. Or or the idea of like, you know, is this a parasitic thing or like symbiotic thing? Yeah. Um, in, in part, that's just how you feel as a girl in high school. True. (laughs) True. Like your ego and id, which is kind of what this is like an ego and id situation. Um, and yeah, I think we're watching Kira go through something that, and we've talked about this before, how she's the only one of her kind. Um, besides her mom, who's besides not her mom, helpful. Well, her, Nishiko is a little bit more helpful in this episode, but where has she been? We, our, our questions in the last episode were like, yo, where's Nishiko? Yeah. And nobody responded with, she's in the next episode. So I'm assuming you guys didn't remember either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, in the DMs. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just, I I sympathize with her so heavily, especially when what she's feeling is in her out-of-control experience is less about other people's actions being perceived as wrong, but more about, like, an internal feel, fear that she is possessed by something evil, which I think is a little bit mirrors what Scott Stiles is going through. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, like, when her mom, like, does the sparring thing, it is to sort of, I get it, to trick the uh, the kitsune into coming out. Um, but Kira, at first, is like, what are you doing? You know, like, nobody's explaining to her why these things are happening. And that is, like, the lack of information and, and ability to process what's happening is obviously, like, the root of that frustration. And it kind of ultimately leads, like, that overwhelming frustration is what leads the kitsune to taking off in the end, you know? And taking a life. Yeah, like Kira is in a place that is so vulnerable that of course she could be taken advantage of, of uh, uh, take advantage of by the kitsune. Yeah, and it's really interesting to contrast that with her conversation with Scott because she wants so badly to be able to help. She really like loves being part of the pack, understandably, and she, I guess, loves Scott. She's never said it, I don't think. No, he has, but... She did not reciprocate, I guess, or she just felt like she didn't need to. It's a Han Solo situation. Yeah. Um, That's like cool as shit if she's the <laughs> Han Solo in this situation. I think she is. Yeah. Um, well, you know what? It doesn't matter because Scott's never seen Star Wars. That's true. That's true. Oh, a recurring gag that I think, I don't know, I would have I would have laughed at it in more seasons. Well, I would have liked for like there to be a moment in season six where we just see like the like actually I was gonna say the end credits actually if it was like the scroll the beginning screen yeah power goes out yeah power goes out (laughs) like that yeah no 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 Star Wars um wait hold on hold on I have I have thoughts okay so like if we were actually assigning the Star Wars like cast to the Teen Wolf cast who's who oh oh like is I feel like Styles isn't actually Han Solo right he's not no no um but Scott is Luke. Yeah, I would say that, like... I could say Derek is Han Solo. I think so, better her than me. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is Derek's life motto until he meets Scott. Um, yeah. I do also think that Allison would be Leia. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, the problem is that it's, like, a core trio, and yeah. we don't have, really, a core trio. No core trio, yeah. That fits into that type, that uh, stereotype. No. But Who's I feel C-3PO? like... Who's C-3PO? <laughs> Styles? Oh, no, no. He's R2? No, he's not either of the droids. Um, but the Jeep is BB-8. <laughs> God, remember the joy of seeing BB-8 for the first time? 
Yes. Yeah. All in- incomparable to the Baby Yoda feeling, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah. the serotonin. Oh, actually, you know what? And I'm sorry to bring up the prequels. I do think that Styles is like prequels Obi-Wan. Okay. I've never seen them, but I trust what? you. No, I just have never seen them. Well, okay. Right. You, oh, <laughs> this oh, is not, this oh, is you not know as this weird. Is, you know, no, no, no. You don't have older siblings. That's true. Yeah. So when they were coming out, nobody was like, you have to watch this. Okay. But then, okay, just picture this, like a Ewan McGregor type. I know who plays him. No, I know, but that's what I'm trying to establish to you. (laughs) Yes. All right. Enough about Star Wars. Um, Although I'm sure we have more (laughs) to say about it, truly. Uh, But yeah, I mean, wrapping up on Kira, like total, like total lack of control leads to a frustration that leads to even more lack of control because frustration is an emotion that if you don't power through it can consume you. Mm hmm. And that's that's the that's the fact of the matter. Uh, do you want to talk about um, Scott? Yeah, I feel like we've been talking about him a lot already. He is the main character, technically. Technically, in in our <laughs> Teen Wolf, he's like a tertiary character. Well, I've been thinking about this as we've been talking um, about like the gravity of what it meant to reactivate the Nematon. And it gets like dropped in every now and then um, to explain like why certain people. It doesn't up. work because it wasn't part of season four. Legit, if exactly. it had been part of season four, it would be totally cohesive. But the fact that we totally dropped it, meh, boring. Yeah, um, and Scott, I think was like he didn't really experience the symptoms in the same way that other people did, and obviously, like Styles is the the point of that that like it allowed the Nogitsune to get in. Um, but if if we had had some sort of continuity with like the Nematon, um, and then you compound that with the fact that, like, Deaton isn't there, Derek isn't there, Scott, like, truly is on his own. Scott's not, like, Chris isn't there. Um, so Scott has really, he feels like he has no one to lean on. He doesn't have supernatural elders, especially because where is Deaton? Where, where is, is he? he? Where is Deaton ever at all? I think he shows up in the next episode. I was looking at the episode summaries. Okay, well, too little too late, Deaton. Well, he was like, I'm going to bounce to figure this out. A phone call could have sufficed. Yeah, I would love a, like a text. Yeah. <laughs> Be like, hey, still working on it. There was Skype in the olden days of 2014. 20- no, 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 no. This, this season came out in like 2016. Yeah. Yeah. So pre, I don't know. I never used Zoom before like this year, but Skype. No, but no, Skype existed for yeah. forever. Like I, the fact that Skype like, <laughs> is not the main video lost chat a, software. Like, lost a fourth quarterly into Zoom is so funny. Crazy. Yeah, no, Skype has been around since like my formative internet days. My point is that Deaton could have gotten together with his other druid friends on Skype and been like, hey guys, do you know what's going on? They don't have a, okay, I'm just <laughs> picturing like a druid slack channel. <laughs> they, I feel like they would have one. Yeah. I feel like they would IM group, each other. Group me is too informal. It would be a slack. They would be considered a business. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. But Deaton's like, actually, I have to leave. I have to leave. Actually, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> me at season five. Actually, I don't. Wanna, I don't want to be leave. here. If I could just Irish goodbye out of season five, <laughs> you know I would, because I am the absolute queen mama of the Irish goodbye. But yeah, I I made a commitment that I'm we, endlessly we, frustrated by on theme. And, yeah, um, yeah. So Scott is without really any guidance, and I think part of that is actually because of how little communication he's had with Styles. Oh yeah, they are very isolated from one another, and. 
perhaps that is what is weighing on Scott. I mean, and he's also like worried about Kira, but because like, and we've talked about this over and over again, that he, um, is Jesus. Like he's just good. Yeah. He's just good. He has no very little, um, bad to him. <laughs> Jesus had flaws. <laughs> he true. was short <laughs> <laughs> and a human man. Um, yeah. So when Scott, um, like doesn't have anyone to lean on. I'm sorry, I'm just like <laughs> short king Jesus. <laughs> In fairness, human beings were just smaller back then, but that's a true fact. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you know I you know what that immediately made me think of. I saw a video of a moose next to a car yesterday. Oh, they're giant. They're so big. And every time I see a picture of a moose, I'm like, okay, I got it. I got how big they are. No. And then I see another picture of a moose. I am so much more frightened of moose than I am of like bears. It really bothers me that the plural of moose is not meese. I'm okay with like that. Geese. I don't like that word. Um, okay. <laughs> but you know, there's like defense mechanisms for when you see bears and like large cats in the wild and you like make yourself big and you make noise and you back away slowly or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, hey, like this is not a turf war. There's literally no solution for if a moose charges and if you climb a tree they'll knock it down so you better hope you're climbing a friggin sequoia because otherwise you're like moose food well they don't even eat meat they'll just kill you somebody in the comments of that video was like hey uh for reference next time if this ever happens to you again don't drive slowly next to the moose because it will get bored of you and kick your car in (laughs) tara those live in our country. <laughs> they are like, they're like prehistoric animals. Yeah. It's, they're terrifying. They, they, they like woolly mammoth adjacent. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I just like, you know, there's some creatures that I'm like really cool with like not living on our continent. Pretty much anything that lives in Australia. All the snakes. But we have gators and we have <laughs> bears and we have moose. And I'm like, the gators aren't going to get me. But we live really close to the bear and moose areas of the world. And the fox and coyote. I, I Foxes see, are babies. I know, but I like I see posts on uh, Chicago Twitter all the time being like, hey, did anybody see the uh, coyote down by the soccer field? <laughs> Not great. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I feel like coyotes are kind of becoming like an urban animal, a little bit like raccoons. <laughs> The comparison of coyotes to raccoons. Excellent. Well, like, you know, like, like urban domestic trash monsters. Like rats. Yeah. And possums and raccoons. Yeah. And now coyotes. We got to get back to Teen Wolf. (laughs) Wait, speaking of coyotes, (laughs) we'll get to Malia in a second. But yeah, I mean, Scott is totally without foundation right now. And this strikes me as another thing, another like thing that's kind of odd is that none of the friend group is like, Hey, why aren't you and Styles like all simpatico like usual? You know, it's really weird that nobody's picking up on these if they are also close and also in tune, right? Yeah, but I think that they're kind of accomplishing that by having um, the whole Lydia Parrish thing. Like she's really wrapped up in him. Ugh. Um, and then boring. This could have been the <laughs> Lydia Malia friendship power season. It really could have. Um, and then Malia's like you know worrying about the desert wolf and yada yada. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of Scott's frustrations are internal. I think he's really frustrated with himself by feeling like he can't make the right decision, which it always felt like he used to be able to. So, you know, yeah, I said earlier, it's really rich that he's like, well, somebody has to be bait. And I can't imagine that Scott would be anything other than frustrated by the fact that that is his only solution to this problem. Because this is sort of like... 
He says it. He's like, we don't know anything about them and we don't know what they want. I feel like by episode six of most seasons, we know what the villain wants. Yeah. And I mean, he is totally frustrated with the lack of information that he's been able to collect partially because where the hell is Deaton? Just said it. But anyway, you know, he, I think a little bit feels like an island and is kind of making himself one, which isn't helpful. But I think a little bit once you start to feel that lonely and that frustrated, you dig your heels in. And I think this uh, has something to do with the fact that Scott and Styles didn't come up with this plan together. Um, and I think part of the reason why they work is because Styles would have been the one to say something like Hayden needs to be the bait, and Styles is com- uh, Scott's complete um, desire to not do that would have presented him with another option. But because he didn't have his sounding board, they couldn't do they like he couldn't make that happen. Yeah, I think that's I think that's to- totally legit. Um, I think that there is uh, everybody needs an editor, and right now nobody has one, and that's another thing that's making people frustrated and and more isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about Lydia. I don't have a lot to say. Um, no. Well. It feels like Lydia is both kind of wrapped up in her infatuation with Parrish, but also is equally as frustrated with Scott. She says, she's like, hey, did you not think about the fact that if we don't have cell phone scramblers, we don't know what's happening to your best friend, by the way, your best friend and my styles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not was said with as much vitriol, but that's definitely the understatement of being like, Scott, you're not thinking things through. And Lydia, queen of thinking, thinking things, things through. through. Um, and I also think that Lydia ha- still doesn't really know where or how her power could be helpful. Um, like we see her using it as a weapon in the first episode, but like clearly she hasn't, you know, mastered that yet. And so, you know, I think similarly to Scott, she kind of like relies on the dynamic between Scott Styles and, and Lydia, like all together. Especially um, as the, as the originators of like the pack basically they're the last original members so yeah and um i don't know i don't have a lot to say about her either but um it's frustrating for me to watch it because we're not giving we're not getting a lot of her lately yeah well i think the main reason i wanted to bring up lydia in the first place is her uh, hallucination i think the idea that her tongue gets ripped out is um and that's like something that you know she intrinsically fears feels like a representation of the fact that Lydia is often frustrated when she feels like she can't find her voice and obviously it often results in screaming but as of late her voice has been literally taken from her mm-hmm. um and there's something you know I'm sure I can go on some like this is a feminist metaphor for how women but- don't <laughs> blah 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 well actually it is a feminist rant for me to go on because um, if you're pointing out that she doesn't have a voice, give her one teen wolf, give her mm-hmm. the words to express that. Um, yeah, I just thought that that was a really interesting um, visual metaphor for us to get as an audience it, to demonstrate Lydia's frustration with, you know, her uh, fraught relationship with her powers for not really being able to start processing what we're going through um, and all of these unnatural deaths. You know, I just, I, I wanted to touch on it a little bit. Yeah, well, I think also, once again, like the hallucinations that, Malia and Lydia have are really relevant to the things that we know about them. Um, we know that Lydia's banshee and that she's lost her voice. We know that, um, you know, Malia was once her father was once hunting her with bear traps. Like, um, we know that. And then we've, we've got the return of like Scott's, uh, bloody dragging leash. That is what entices him. And so it's like frustrating 
Well, no, because I think the actual like hallucination it, is, Kira, is but... so much more like I think he is very terrified yeah. that he's going to lose Kira to something darker. And I think that that was appropriate. But I do see what you're saying about how that that's a new fear as opposed to an old one. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Sheriff Melissa like briefly before we move into the Styles Theo conversation. Uh, they actually experienced the least amount of frustration in this episode because they're the only ones who do any figuring outing of anything. Yeah, they've they've got it down. They figured out that all of those kids were um, genetic chimeras before they became supernatural chimeras, which is very helpful. It felt, it's like a big revelation, but like, we don't know how that's going to fit into the way that the rest of the season plays out. Um, but it was, I like seeing them working together. Yeah. Well, uh, we were saying earlier how we have like a huge loss of like parental absence in this show. And because Teen Wolf is a teen show that thrives on parental intervention, mm-hmm. uh, it's refreshing it's a little corny when she's like, they're genetic chimeras. I was like, that was not the fault of Melissa Ponzio at all that it sounded so lame. It was the setup. It, oh, it was felt the, like, like a crime drama. And I'm a little bit like, am I less impressed because I know the answer? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. But I was like, this is lame and no one's fault except for. Well, know, it's also, I think they fault. like drug it out so far. Yeah, that I you mean, were like, I got it. Yeah. I, I think they could have they could have done all that researching in the file room at the hospital, mm-hmm. and the fact that they went to like a secondary location, I was like, okay. But yeah, <laughs> I I was. Uh, what's the opposite of frustrated? Content. Yeah, content, relaxed mm-hmm. with uh, seeing them, and it was really kind of nice to see somebody work positively in the opposition of the frustration emanating for the rest of the pack. Yeah, somebody got a win. But it was finally. A, it was a small win, yeah. you know, but it, you know, any any dubs a any dub win. in season five. Yeah. Uh Styles and Theo. Oh. Their frustrations are primarily uh philosophical. It's actually kind of cool that we just saw them sitting in a car talking. Like, I would have actually had a great time as an actor, like filming this episode, because that is like as close to kitchen sink as it gets in Teen Wolf. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really fun in that scene to kind of watch um, Theo. I mean, he's obviously trying to like manipulate styles into seeing his point of view and he's lying about a lot of things. Um, But styles doesn't really seem to be taking the bait. And I think that one, I do think that Theo kind of believes in what he's saying a little bit. And two, it's like, he's working so hard Mm -hmm. to get styles on his side. And this is kind of the first time that we see a little bit of, him like edging towards that but it's it's taking so long yeah i mean like they are clearly at an impasse um ideology ideologically (laughs) thank you where did my voice go you know it's all the l's yeah ideologically that's all yeah yeah too many letters when you uh hinge your entire speech pattern on skipping syllables that one's hard (laughs) um (laughs) Yeah, like they are, it you know it, you can feel the sort of glass wall between them in in the jeep, mm-hmm. um, and that makes for a very compelling conversation. I actually kind of wish we got more of it or longer scenes. I would have loved like a full three minute scene of them talking, um, where Theo is like, "Well, murder can be justified. There's literally a legal clause for it," and Styles being like, uh, "Do not proselytize your evil agenda to me, bitch. I am the son of a cop, and apparently the only good cop in the world." <laughs> we have thoughts on copaganda later, um, but. I think it is really interesting that like 
Theo does get to Styles a little bit, and I think that is part of the frustration breaking down Styles. I think he's so upset and frustrated with himself that he has sacrificed his relationship to Scott that there's a little bit about like a little bit of like fuck it, I'll lean into it. Because by the end, he's like, yeah, when you know, Don, when I first realized that Donovan was dead, it felt good, which is a common trope in media. Yeah. Um, well, Theo is like giving him the tools to absolve himself of guilt. Yeah. Um, and that's a, another big thing that they talk about, like why you should feel guilt and kind of when and like what scenario as if you choose to feel guilt. Um, and Theo makes the argument that because his eyes haven't turned blue, every life he's taken has been justifiable. And of course we know that's not true, but. Well, also so far as we know, the only life he's taken is the one on the roof of the hospital. Yeah. So far as Styles we, knows. Yeah. We know that he killed his sister because there's a flashback about it. Yeah. So I just, it's really interesting to watch them work through that together. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, we get a little bit of like, while everything else is happening and totally not happening this episode because it's plot devoid, uh, we get like a Socratic seminar between (laughs) the like, well, the main imposing forces of the morality in this season. And it's actually really impressive to me that we get that without Scott. Mm -hmm. Because clearly Scott is still in the dark about this. And... I think that, you know, in terms of frustration, like Theo is also frustrated with Styles, mostly because he, he even says it. He's like, you are smarter than anybody else, you know, and that's why you're not letting me in the pack. And he probably feels frustrated by that because his evil plan is not as um, abundantly successful <laughs> as he totally thought it was going to be because he's so handsome. And he's so trustworthy or whatever. But like uh, he has this conversation with Styles out of his own frustration and hoping that he can tip the scales a certain way. Um, and he does succeeds. Yeah, he does a little bit. Um, and I think that Styles is experiencing the frustration of, he had a very similar conversation with Scott right before they went into Eichenhaus. Like, don't you think sometimes that it can be justified? And Scott's like, no, what are you talking about? And then Theo is just giving him the answer that he wants to hear. It It is by far the most comforting answer Mm -hmm. it is the solve on on his frustration to hear like no like there are ways in which you know this absolves you of of your your sins and i think that there's like because we kind of talked about this earlier about how like yeah anything can happen to anyone there the world is a crazy place and sometimes people do find themselves killing somebody out of self-defense. Like, I, I, again, I mentioned, like, there's a reason why, like, manslaughter charges exist. Um, and, or, like, accidental death and stuff. And I think that, uh, like, it's really easy for me, who has never killed someone and has never been in a position where that was ever even an option, to be, like, I don't know, I feel like maybe it's, he should be more in line with Scott. I mean, like I'm generally not in this season, but I can see where that discussion comes from, obviously, because I'm opposed to murder <laughs> TM. Like, yeah. But it's also, I think really interesting that Theo continues to play on the idea that it is a hundred percent Styles's fault. Yeah. Because it, I mean, it is horrible and like Styles does pull that pin hoping that it will get Donovan off of him. Mm-hmm. And actually thinking back to it, it's an interesting parallel that that goes through his spine. Cause his dad. Yeah. Paralyzed. Um, and I mean, of course, like styles feels guilty about that because he was at least indirectly the cause of someone dying, mm-hmm. but in a court of law, no, but like it, it was 
not intentional. Well, what I want to kind of bring this back to, I think that this is like sort of where you would agree with me. Right now, Theo is pushing an agenda of just like justifiable action. What, whereas the thing that would actually comfort Styles the most and be most appropriate for a Team Wolf narrative and an ethical narrative is forgivable action. Yeah, absolutely. Like, again, prison abolitionist, <laughs> Team Wolf, Free Wolf. Do I think that the actions that people do to land them in like a carceral system are justifiable? Well, if it's a non-violent drug charge, yeah, I don't give yeah. a shit. But I mean, talking about violent crime, uh, justifiable? No. But do I think that everybody is capable of earning forgiveness or even deserves it inherently on like a human being level? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's an interesting conversation to enter. Yeah, well, it's also just kind of ironic to come back to that conversation after, like, Jackson murdered a bunch of people. No get to know Styles <laughs> murdered a bunch of people. Um, and, well, and Styles feels badly about that, but nobody has an issue with that because, like, it's in a scenario that's out of your control, but because Styles was completely himself, like, it then the onus is completely on him and it's his fault. Yeah, I'm trying to, like, think. Like, has anybody else in, like, the main good cast, like, killed some you know there are shows and like things where you just sort of i'm like you're like this person is a serial killer and we <laughs> all suspend that thought because we want to get through the marvel universe or sure. whatever the f yeah I'm trying war to think criminals of, yeah, all of them all of them <laughs> bad propaganda machine Ugh. um I don't, <laughs> i'm trying to think if we have any other characters with this experience like did erica boyd isaac do this to anybody i don't think so I don't think so either. We don't see a lot of like on screen. But we like forgive the twins for like what they did. Yeah. We don't, I mean, nobody forgives Peter, but he's like allowed to stick around despite yeah. having murdered a it's, lot of it's people. It's the utility clause. He's like useful so he can stick yeah. around. Same with, same with Chris. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, let's move into Q's nose. Let's do it. I have no questions. Do you have questions? Oh, I mean, is Teen Wolf copaganda? I think was the question that we were asking ourselves. Well, there was a scene where like the sheriff is like, no, Donovan was just a kid and a victim of circumstance. And that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, that's how you want cops to behave. It's like why it's comforting to watch SVU. You're like, wow, I would love if all like actual abhorrent, like sex criminals were like punished. That women were taken seriously, etc. Yeah. 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 And like <laughs> investigations were taken out, were, ta were done with like full, you know, capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, I, I don't necessarily think that that was set up to be propaganda. I don't think anybody was trying to sit there and be like, cops are good. They were writing from an, uh, a viewpoint of this cop is good. And that's what he would think. Yeah. I, I also think that it, it's just kind of seeped into American culture at this point. Like cop shows are so ubiquitous. Um, that I, I do think that it is kind of, it, it's changed people's perception of the police. And so I don't think it's strange at all to see that in Teen Wolf. No, if anything, this isn't a riff on the police. It's a riff on other cop shows. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we can be done with the, with the copaganda discussion for this season. I think we've already kind of sort of hammered that nail home, yeah. if you will. Um, yeah, we'll stop kicking that dead horse <laughs> when it stops spitting out content. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the motto of every TikTok creator. Literally. Ever. I don't even go on TikTok anymore. I mean, I do kind of, but God, is it boring. Yeah. Um, Those are all my questions. Did you have some observations you wanted to share? We had another like Wendigo conversation. Oof. Um, which we talked about that when they were introduced. Um, 
again, I'm not going to say the name again for all reasons referenced in the first episode of our season four. Uh, it just feels like nobody learned. Nobody learned. And then also, like, Cody Christian is native. Is native. I mean, I also, like, I'm not going to speak <laughs> for Cody Christian at all. He's no, not at all. also not native from the part of our country that... There's just, like, a certain amount of irony yeah. with that. And also that they use that um, to kind of, like, build off of their conversation of guilt. I feel like they could have gone a different route, and it would have been fine. Yeah. It just felt icky. It feels like nobody got corrected on, like, that not being a, a an okay thing to use as, like... A scary monster? Uh, a scary monster. Um, and, again, yeah, you're right. Like, built unfruitfully on their conversation of guilt and, like, misrepresented... A culture yeah again i'm not speaking on behalf of anybody because i am white and cannot but, and cannot but what i have learned about these creatures through myth because i'm interested and because i want to represent you know what we're talking about in this podcast well it just feels out of place and kind of icky mm-hmm. um i had another observation hmm oh We run on frequencies you couldn't possibly imagine. Has to be the funniest line uttered by any character in all of Teen Wolf. And was the, like, baby girl, I blank, you blank, you couldn't even imagine blank meme even a thing then? No. But because it is a thing now, holy shit, was that funny. They they said it, and we both just... Bust out we laughing. had to pause. We were laughing so hard. I well, it's funny because I read one the other day that was like, "Baby girl, I know fandom lore you would never even care about." <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, which is what we do on this podcast, exactly. And so hearing that again, I was like, that like hearing that phraseology for that line was so so funny. Also, like, okay, what frequencies are they running on? <laughs> What? So you're just going to say that and then decide not to explain why the cell phone scramblers didn't work? Or you could just be like, that's not strong enough to disrupt the, like, telluric currents. Like, you could have given us a logical answer and you gave us that weird bullshit line. God, it was funny. It was so funny. I actually don't think they should have explained it because of how much I enjoyed hearing that. It was so stupid. It's just ridiculous. And it's also kind of funny that they... um like obviously the dread doctors are supernatural because they do all that stuff to like make you forget or make you hallucinate whatever. Um, but you know, they use radio. I feel like we're really good with radio now. Like we got it, you know? So it's weird. They were like, we're on a frequency you can't imagine. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the frequencies you can't imagine don't show up on, you know, the, the, radio of a Honda CRV. (laughs) Probably not. Um, yeah, I thought that was really funny. (laughs) Um, do you have pack stats for us? I do. Um, we had five eyes. Cool. Quite a lot. Um, one cloths. Claws. Claws. Um, two shirts. <laughs> Lydia and Parrish. Oh, we didn't even talk about that weird hallucination sex scene. It's gross. Yeah, that's why we didn't talk about it. <laughs> so moving on. Stay away from the high school girl, Parrish. Um, last week, I forgot to mention that that um, the Liam Hayden little tete-a-tete on the soccer field, they're all wearing like Nike gear and it's a little just do it moment. Yeah. Um, and then Styles just like leaves his phone in the veterinary office. Yeah, it could never be me. <laughs> yeah. The little AT&T yeah. logo. I think it was a Samsung phone. Yeah, I couldn't see. And um, no sirens. Yet. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> you know what? I was thinking back to Lydia and Parrish. How much better would it be if it was sort of a like, like young girl situation where like Lydia is like attracted to him for all of the supernatural reasons she is, and he's like, back off, child. Way more compelling to me than what's happening. More compelling, and I also just wish that they hadn't done it at yeah. all. Yep, yep, yep. Um, alpha of the week. Do you have an alpha of the week? Um, I feel like, unfortunately, my alpha of the week is Theo because he does pull styles from the burning car. We can give it to a villain. I feel like we've given it to Peter before. You know we what? We sure have. I'm giving it to Peter right now. <laughs> I miss you. You beautiful Peter, bastard. You goddamn dirty bastard. I miss you, Peter Hale. Yeah, I give it actually to all of the characters we expressed missing in this episode. Chris? Yeah. Peter. Allison? R.I.P. Rest in pieces. Um... <laughs> who else? <laughs> who else do we miss? Brayden? Derek? Brayden and Derek. Come on. Yeah, yeah, we're giving it to the people we miss. Um, I think that wraps it up, yeah? I think so. Well, if you like this episode of the Teen Wolf Real Wolf, we hope you follow us on Twitter at Teen Wolf underscore Real Wolf, which is also our Instagram handle. You can follow us on Tumblr at Teen Wolf Real Wolf, and you can join our Facebook group, Teen Wolf Real Wolf Podcast. We talk about memes. We share the memes. We... It's memes. Um, and you can also discuss our episodes there. It's always great to hear comments from you guys, especially when you disagree. Hit us up. We want to know. Um, if you really like this episode, you guys can leave us a review on iTunes or Audible. Um, iTunes is especially helpful. It helps us find new listeners. Uh, and we love hearing from you guys. And if you leave us five stars, we will read it on the podcast and give you a shout out on Twitter should you so choose. Uh, as I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, you guys can donate to our coffee, ko-fi.com forward slash Teen Wolf Rewolf. We are super proud to give all of our bonus content for free. We never want to tr- like charge you guys for that. But uh, again, it costs a little bit of money to run this podcast, and that's the only thing that you know we want that coffee to cover. So if you feel like donating and you have the means, um, we are endlessly appreciative. Other than that, I have been Christian. And I've been Julia. And uh, we hope you guys have a wolf of week. Oh. Oh, a woo! <laughs> Whoops.